Welcome to another episode of a special podcast we like to call From the Archives. These are hand-picked sermons and sermon series preached in our church over the years by some of the pastors, elders and special guests we've had the privilege of listening to. We hope and we pray that as we listen to these classic messages, we'll be challenged in our walk with Jesus and encouraged to trust in him more and more. That being said, let's dive into the episode. Hey guys, and happy new year to you all. We wanted to kick this year off from the archives with our podcast, going through a series that we preached a number of years ago uh, called The Dummy's Guide to Discipleship. Now, we're not supposing that anybody listening to this podcast is a dummy, um, but in essence, what we were trying to do um, over the summer, I think it was, was to look at five of the key things that followers of Jesus need to understand, that five key things that followers of Jesus need to live out, uh, the basics if you like. This first episode comes from Wynne Jones, one of our elders, and it's looking at the topic of grace. Now, he began his sermon uh, speaking about the different reasons that people might have for not seeking help in various places and the different feelings that people have about going to church. Um, so that's where it is when we pick it up and he shares with us um, uh, a story from one of the books we were reading together as a church at the time about how somebody articulated their thoughts and their feelings when the, the mention of going to church even was brought up. Anyway, that's enough from me. I hope this blesses you and encourages you to think about church and grace and especially about Jesus, the one who welcomes undesirable people. Um, I should shut up hand you over to win at the beginning of one of the recommended um, reading books on grace on page 11 we read and the context is this i can't read it out it's, it's too, too disturbing to read the first part but this gentleman has uh, somebody he's speaking to who is in desperate need and this is what he says at last i asked if she'd ever thought of going to church for help i will never forget the look of pure naive shock that crossed her face church she cried why would I ever go there? I was already feeling terrible about myself. They'd just make me feel worse. But that's church. What about when people get around to thinking some what I call God thoughts? Would your minds go there sometimes, even if you don't go to church? Very often, the image of God that comes to their minds from their childhood memories or from the media or from friends they've spoken to or from cartoons and films could also leave them with a feeling of being unreachable, undesirable, unrighteous, etc. Oh, so rather than test these reasons that I've come up with against people's feelings about church or their perception of God, I want to see how well these reasons stack up when tested against the record we have about Jesus in the Bible. By doing this, I hope I'm refocusing our thinking to the core of Christianity, directing our minds to the person who embodies the good news that we label as the gospel. Now, the author of a letter written to early Jewish Christians and preserved in the New Testament says this about Jesus right at the beginning of his letter. One version says, Jesus is the radiance of God's glory and exact representation of his being. 
the more modern message version says, Jesus perfectly mirrors God and is stamped with God's nature. Both great descriptions, but I like what I'll call the Winnie version. When God decided to take a selfie, the picture on his phone was Jesus. When God decided to take a selfie, the picture on his phone was Jesus. Jesus said something similar, but in reverse, when he was alive, when he was discussing things with his disciples, he turned to one of them, Philip, and says, even after I've been among you for such a long time, don't you know me? And he said, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So I want to focus in on seeing how these reasons match up against the experience people had with Jesus. So consider with me some of the encounters Jesus had during his life with those who felt unworthy, unloved, undesirable, and undeserving, and unreachable. There was a man who was clearly unloved by people. He spent his life deliberately and unashamedly making enemies of people. He earned his living by and became rich by fleecing his own people on behalf of their oppressors. Zacchaeus was a collaborator with the hated Roman occupiers. When Jesus came by and saw him, he wasn't ignored. He was noticed. The unapproachable was approached. Jesus' actions startled the crowd, we read, and they responded like this according to Luke's record in the Bible. Everyone who saw the incident was indignant and grumped. And this is what they say, what business does he have getting cozy with this crook? Here was a man who not only felt unloved, but was unloved by everyone. Everyone, that is, apart from Jesus, who reached out to him when everyone else shied away from him and rejected him. On another occasion, there was this Roman captain who had a valued servant lying ill, possibly on his deathbed. He'd heard of Jesus and sent some folk to ask if Jesus would come and heal his servant. As Jesus made his way to his home, the Roman captain sent another delegation to to, to Jesus saying, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I don't deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. This was a wealthy man, a man of authority, living in the best part of town with servants. But even he felt unworthy to be anywhere near Jesus. But it isn't a matter of worthiness. Jesus had a different approach to worth than other people. We we can feel unworthy in many, many different ways. But there is no feeling of unworthiness that can prevent Jesus from taking an interest in us. When Jesus entered Capernaum, where this gentleman lived, he was good news for the centurion and his servant. Now listen, have you ever felt so dirty that you warn people not to touch you? How would you feel if you were untouchable and it was not your fault? Luke writes of such a man. This is what he he writes. One day in one of the villages, there was a man covered in leprosy late stage. 
When he saw Jesus, he fell down before him in prayer and said, if you want to, you can cleanse me. Now, the context here is, if you read in Leviticus, that the Jewish law forbade anyone from touching or approaching a leper, lest ritual defilement occur, lest they also became dirty and unclean. But what did Jesus do? Jesus put out his hand, touched him, and said, I want to be clean. Then and there we read his skin was smooth, the leprosy gone. To the one who was unclean, shunned, and ostracized, Jesus was good news. Have you ever been excluded, I don't know, for your accent or skin color, gender or poverty, religion or politics, class, sexuality or family? I'm sorry if that is your experience, and I'm especially sorry if that has been your experience of church. It wasn't the experience of the untouchables in Jesus' day. Jesus was good news for them. Then there was the occasion when Jesus was having a meal with society's respectable folk, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, one of the local undesirables turns up. She was someone beyond forgiveness in the thinking of the religious crowd and certainly had no place in their company or in this house. But Jesus was there. So there was an acceptance and a reaching out to this woman with words of liberation. Words that released the woman. Jesus said, I forgive your sins. Let me read the response of the respectable religious observers to you, okay? This is what we read in Luke. That set the dinner guests talking behind his back. Who does he think he is forgiving sins? And this is what we read about Jesus. He ignored them and said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. It gives me a warm feeling when I read that Jesus ignored the respectable, righteous, religious lot, but did not ignore the one that was undesirable. For this woman, undesirable to all apart from those who wanted her sexually, Jesus was good news. In all these encounters and so many more that I could refer to this morning, we see the kindness, the mercy, the love, and the forgiveness of Jesus. The people who were accepted, who were received and welcomed by Jesus are those who knew they did not deserve kindness did not deserve mercy, did not deserve forgiveness or the favor of God. In another book that's um, recommended for you, if you want to read on the grace of God, there are four copies and there's £6.50 each by Andy Stanley. In, In the beginning of this book, in the preface actually, he says this, and I love this description of, of grace. He says, to say that someone deserves grace is a contradiction in terms. You can no more deserve grace than you can plan your own surprise party. In the same way that planning voids the idea of surprise, so claiming to deserve voids the idea of grace. You can ask for it, he says, you can plead for it. But the minute you think you deserve it, It you think you deserve is no longer grace. It is something you have earned. But grace, he says, can't be earned. 
It's difficult for us in a world that has an emphasis on getting what we deserve. <laughs> in a world where we hear phrases like credit, where credit is due, and it's tit for tat, and it's, uh, uh, if it's to be, it's up to me. The concept of grace is difficult to grasp in that world. But the, the great news for the unworthy, unreachable, untouchable, undesirable, unwise, and faithful, and righteous, and merciful, and sure, and able, and undone, is that there is a Jesus who, we can say this of, Jesus is faithful, Jesus is worthy, Jesus is righteous, Jesus is uh, merciful, Jesus is reachable, Jesus is desirable, Jesus is wise, Jesus is sure, Jesus is able. And Jesus has done everything that is needed to restore that broken relationship between mankind and God by the sacrifice we will hear about later when we focus on the meaning of communion. The cartoon or the video played at the beginning of this talk was based on a story in the Bible. Someone had walked away from a source of love, of acceptance and care. A loving relationship had been broken because of his choice, his action, and his selfishness. At the lowest point in his life, the prodigal son felt unworthy, unrighteous, unreachable, undesirable, unwise, undone, and undeserving. When the prodigal son saw his father run towards him with open arms and extend grace to him, I believe that he probably felt like those couples I mentioned at the beginning who expressed the feelings of relief and regret. He was relieved that there was acceptance and that there was rejoicing for the unclean, undesirable, and undeserving in his father's household. He was relieved that the broken relationship had been restored. Regret? Well, what would have been his regret? I guess his regret most surely was that he hadn't come to his senses earlier instead of wallowing in a mess that he had made of his life. The good news of the gospel we proclaim is that it's a gospel of grace. Grace is unearned, undeserved, and is the unmerited favor of God for the undeserving. C.S. Lewis said, it's this grace that makes the Christian faith unique amongst world religions. Wow. Or as Yancey puts it, um, uh, only Christianity dares to make God's love unconditional. Every undeserving person in this hall this morning who has experienced grace could speak of the great relief they felt when they understood that it wasn't up to them, but it was the because of the good news of Jesus. If pushed, I guess that each and every one who experienced grace in this hall would also say and also admit that they regret not having heard this good news earlier and understood grace earlier in their lives. Now, the remainder of this series will probably reveal a similar pattern. When we hear Sam, Peter, John, and Matt speak on Bible reading, prayer, faith sharing, and giving, there will be reasons why we will all give how we struggle in these areas. And I hope that you will find that there will be relief when the struggles are less as a result of what we learn during the next four weeks. And probably, right, you will have this feeling of regret, 
regret that you hadn't got to grips with these things earlier in your Christian life. For those of us who are recipients of God's grace here this morning, we, the undeserving, undesirable, unreachable, unworthy, unmerciful recipients of God's grace, my plea is that we will extend this grace in the way Jesus extended it to those he encountered. The odd thing is that when you read the New Testament, the only thing Jesus stood against consistently was graceless religion. The only group he attacked relentlessly was graceless religious leaders. So we should not be surprised when we get to the end of the Gospels and discover that the people who crucified him were those who claimed to know God but knew little of grace. You know, the church is most appealing when the message of grace is most apparent. Well, that's it for another episode of our From the Archives podcast. We hope that you found it challenging and encouraging. And as always, we'd like to offer you a few quick next steps that you can take right now. If there's anything that you'd like to discuss or any questions that have been raised, please do contact us via email to contact at amfordchurch.com. If you want to know more about what's going on in the life of the church, make sure that you like us on Facebook. And lastly, why not check us out on YouTube, where you'll find additional teaching to complement our regular sermon podcast and our From the Archives podcast. Thanks for listening.